What it do, what it do? I'm too juice you slid through. This vibe way with Scipio. A brand new podcast show introducing the dope music you've been craving and delivering fresh perspectives on today's hottest topics. Stay tuned. We finna catch a wave. Welcome to the Vibeway Podcast Show with Scipio. For this episode, we will be discussing black-on-black crime. Stay tuned and go get your surfboard, because we finna catch this wave. You're a musician. You create music for the world to hear it. In order for the world to hear it, they need to be able to access it. In order for them to access it, your music needs to be on every single platform available on this planet. Visit oringi.org today to see your dream become a reality. Brace for impact. Welcome, everybody, to another segment of the Vibeway Podcast Show with Scipio, where we'll be covering the topic of black-on-black crime. You know, this is a very touchy topic, and what I'm going to need you to do is put on your thinking caps for this one. You're going to need to do some lateral thinking. You're going to need to be able to read in between the lines. To start off, I'd like to get into what the word black actually means. You know, what is black? When we when we think about that word black, especially as so-called African-Americans, it's a very touchy subject, like I said, because it's it's a title that was bestowed upon us that we didn't necessarily choose for ourselves. Let's get right into the first definition of black. I'd like to touch on the old English because when we when we discuss words, especially in this show, um, I'd like to be as thorough as possible. I'd like to leave conjecture alone and I'd like to do my best to deliver facts as well as educated opinions. And so let's look at the etymology of the word black. Where does it actually come from? As I, as I did my research on the word, I found out that the word black can be traced back to its proto-Indo-European origins through the word black, that's spelled B-L-A-C, which meant pale, wan, colorless, or albino. In Old English, black, person meant fair, someone devoid of color, someone to the word Blanc, or excuse me, similar to the word blanc, which still means white or fair person. So as I looked at this definition and the etymology of the word black, I immediately, uh, excuse me, I immediately began to feel some kind of way. Um, first of all, I recognize that its origins lie within the Indo-European uh, lexicon, if I may. And I immediately cross-paralleled that origin to the immediate usage of the word uh, as it denotes us as a people, especially within this country and even globally um, at this point. And what I noticed is a total flip of the word. You know, um, its origins originally meant pale, wan, colorless, 
or albino, you know, someone devoid of color. And now it is used as a word to describe someone of deep color, someone who is highly melanated or melanated, in fact. And so with that, I'd like to uh, go on to the next definition that was uh, revealed to me. Now, as I thought deeper before we get into that definition, I, I recognize that once we look at the root of this word, we can begin to see as it as it is characterized by us as a people that black is not really a people. It, it is a color and condition. Okay, while brown, on the other hand, seems to be a color and complexion. Okay, because I have looked, I have looked, and I know people like to joke about the complexions of people, whether they be of fair skin or whether they be of deep, uh, deeply melanated. And you notice I say deeply melanated or deep brown. I, I, I leave the word dark out of the equation because you can look up the definition for dark. It's not something that should be associated with our people any longer. So I like to, I like to use the word deep. Okay, so you'll notice I use that word when I refer to deeply melanated individuals. But people like to to joke about either extreme on the hue scale. And what I noticed is that even when it comes to the African people, uh, you know, in, in this sense, uh, the many nations uh, spread throughout the diaspora and within the continent, um, what you see is a deep, deep brown complexion. You know, and and I'm talking about the continent here, okay? And of course, you have the diaspora and what have you. But in this sense, as we are talking about black, okay? Now, when you talk about brown, we are talking about a complexion, not a condition. And so let's look at the definition, black, adjective, of a period of time or situation, okay? Characterized by tragic were disastrous events causing despair or pessimism. Wow. We also have the definition of a person's state of mind, full of gloom or misery, very depressed. So, as we analyze these two definitions, it dawns upon me that what we essentially have are brown or melanated people who walk around daily with these minds filled with gloom and despair a very depressed and suppressed people as a whole who then express these traumas by causing more trauma, which is then classified as tragic events, i.e. black. The state of being black. It's not a people, y'all. It's a condition. So when we talk about black-on-black -black crime, what we are really talking about is a conditional set of circumstances which have then been classified to represent a people as a whole, i.e. so-called African-Americans, i.e. Uh, continental Africans, whatever nation they may come from. And as a whole group of people, we have then been classified as black. Let's take a break. Let's get into some music. We got a nice one for you coming up. You've heard it before. Let's get right on into it. Welcome back. Welcome back. That was Eyes on Me by Abaran King. That's right. Y'all remember that one. Real, real groovy song. Real, real nice song. Um, real, real good one to dance to. 
eyes on me, Abiran King. Um, we just talked about the definition of black and what that word actually meant, the etymology of the word, and I think that it's appropriate to now segue into the next the next talking point um, that I like to discuss, which is this idea of mean mugging. Okay, I think we can we can get into more of what would begin to be the seedling of the criminal aspect. Okay, and, and, and y'all will see where I'm going with this. But the idea that mean mugging my brother is ancestral. Okay? Now, what does that mean? Mean mugging my brother is ancestral. Well, as an African American in the United States of America, it is very interesting that we are in quite the quagmire as a people. Um... We will have multiple episodes to talk about the multiple conditional aspects of us. But let's just focus on this this idea that when we were, when our ancestors um, were captured and when they were shipped or whether they were here already on the continent pre-Columbus era or whether they found them th- their way uh, to the Western Hemisphere on the ships uh, after 1492. What I would like to think about is that, and what I would like us to think about, is the idea that the people who were taken, one, many of them were not slaves. I have done research, however, and have learned that there are uh these these slave cultures if i may these these servitude cultures though these 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 indentured uh aspects of the culture uh once again that's a whole nother topic a whole nother uh episode we could get into but it it does relate to what i'm about to say overall though there were millions of people who were enslaved against their absolute will but these people did not come from the same regions but they were then conglomerated together eventually. Many of them were caused to uh, produce offspring and children, which which then produced more children. And, and multiple generations were manifest through the enslavement of millions of African people. Now, some of these people traditionally come from regions which warred with one another. Some of these people came from regions which traditionally did not like one another. And when they were forced to be together, those ancestral tensions were carried over into the diaspora. Some of those tensions were preserved amongst, amongst bloodlines and amongst families. But some were not. Many were not. And... One thing that I'd like to recognize, like us to recognize in this episode is that perhaps maybe some of the black on black crime that we are seeing, some of that so-called unexplained hatred toward our brother, that mean mug that just can't seem to be wiped off our face as we walk through the mall or as we are in our vehicles driving, you know, and and we stop at that red light and we see another brother. And instead of saying, hey, brother, what's happening? We got a mean mug. What is that? Well, I like to propose that perhaps it's an ancestral, ancestral condition that has been passed on through the generations. Okay, maybe it is something to think about. Let's get on to the next song, y'all. 
Thank you for rocking with me so far. We finna go on and catch this wave. You're a musician. You create music for the world to hear it. In order for the world to hear it, they need to be able to access it. In order for them to access it, your music needs to be on every single platform available on this planet. Visit oringi.org today to see your dream become a reality. Brace for impact. Hey everybody, how did y'all like that last one? That was uh, I Really Want It by yours truly. Yeah, um, you know, when I wrote that song, um, I wrote it for a purpose. First of all, I hadn't recorded anything in a while, and I had an opportunity to record the song, so I did. And as I was writing it, like I told you all before, I like to write from the standpoint of recognizing that multiple people from multiple age groups, multiple generations will more than likely listen to my music. And I wanted to capture a period in my life where, um, you know, we have these instances where we're willing to sacrifice certain things, whether they be moral, uh, scrupulous things, uh, whether they be uh, monetary, uh, whether they be time, you know, um, the sacrifice isn't limited to just one thing, you know, and so... And the, and the sacrifice also isn't necessarily bad, okay? Let's let's make that clear as well. But what is that sacrifice when the outcome is to the detriment of those around you? Um, my grandfather used to like to tell us, uh, you know, he was a driver. My mom's dad was a driver as far as, you know, getting from point A to B when it came to traveling, uh, he didn't mind taking the road trip. And he would always tell us, you know, y'all get behind this wheel. It's okay to go over a hundred, you know. It's okay to push it, you know, put the pedal to the metal. Just make sure you're in the vehicle by yourself. You know, don't put you, you, um, you know, your family in danger, or your friends, anybody that's in the vehicle in danger with you. Uh, you know, because they're not the ones that's in control of the vehicle you are. You know, it's your responsibility to keep that thing low. And so I always remember that lesson, and I know it's a metaphor in life as well, because sometimes we we get involved with 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 situations and we get involved with people where the outcome is to the detriment of those around us. And the analogy is pretty much, you know, if you're going to do something to the detriment of anyone, let it be to the detriment of yourself and yourself alone, you know. And so what we what I'd like to bring up is this idea that um, what if I hated myself so much uh, that I literally hated anyone who looked like me? Um, is that too alien of a thought to consider? And if I'm an individual who feels this way, where did I get that idea from? Is it is it or, or original with me? Or is it is it something that I learned that was propagated into me? And if it is original with me, then why is its effects so far spread? If it was propagated, which I believe in the premise it is, 
then how do we uh, discuss the situation in a way where we could begin to serve a solution? You know, because I think constant oppression and a lack of opportunity will cause anyone to feel worthless over time, right? The person who um, is reflected in the mirror, the person who's going through these conditions and who then is made to see themselves every day, you know, when they look back at themselves, how do they view themselves? More than likely with little to no value or self-worth, okay? These feelings of hopelessness are then manifest through all sorts of quite possibly illicit activities, uh, harmful activities that would be not only to the detriment of themselves, but once again to those around them. And so the idea of black on black crime, now that we have a title, now that we have an etymological, excuse me, basis of which we can look at this word. And now that that word has been associated with the people, could it be that there's an energy of over this word as well? That somehow on a frequency level causes many of us who have then been oppressed to tune into that frequency and to begin to act out the characteristics that that frequency uh, is, is, is causing us to manifest. You know, it's just like if I tune to uh, 106.1 KMEL, you know, in the Bay Area, you know, for instance, if I tune to that radio station, I'm supposed to expect a certain genre of music. I'm not going to turn to 106 KMEL and hear country music. I'm going to hear rap, hip hop and R&B of the modern feel. Okay. And so that's what's to be expected from that particular frequency. So could it be that the word black has a particular frequency as well? And it's causing us to not only exhibit a form of self-hatred, but when you m match that self-hatred with the systematic oppression, um, as well as choices, individual choices, we begin to see an epidemic of what has been coined black on black crime. Let's get into the next song, y'all. This one is Go Go by Don J Seduction. Yeah, everybody. We are vibing. I hope y'all got y'all surfboard for real. Because the wave has got in humongous. Yes, yes, yes. I know and I hope that y'all are enjoying it as much as I am. You know what I mean? Uh, this segment has been quite interesting. It's been very deep. And as always, I invite you to leave a message with me, you know. And um, tap in with me. Leave me your thoughts on the segment. Let me know how you feel, how you vibed out. If anything that I said resonated with you, um, I want to build with you all. And I want to make sure that this community is one where, um, you know, we could be transparent with one another and we can, uh, you know, voice our opinions and our, and our truths to one another in a healthy manner. With that being said, um, that last song that we just heard was... Uh, was a a nice one, I believe. Um, that uh, the more that we hear these 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 pieces of music, the more you kind of catch my drift on why I played them in the first place. Um, you know, if we don't support our own through our own platforms, if we don't uh, do what we can to spread the word with quality with quality products, you know, at the very least. Um, well, then we're not going to make it on a unified front as a people, you know, 
And I think black on black crime has a lot to do with the modern day lack of black on black support. Let's uh, consider that for a future segment. All right. But um, as we talk about uh, black on black crime, I'd like to consider the idea of systematic oppression versus individual choices. Okay, systematic oppression versus choices. The idea that there is a system at play which causes us to to respond in a certain way. If we are caught within the system, there are consequences written into the Constitution, which would cause us to then uh, be re-enslaved uh, as individuals and then, uh, quite frankly, as as a group. Then you have the individual choices, um, maybe personal circumstances uh, are recognized by an individual and that individual feels that they need to go and do something for themselves um, on behalf of people who may need their help or assistance. And, you know, we see this pattern uh, many times, many times. Um, and, and the system is set up for these individuals as well um, to catch one false step, you know, um, one humbug, and that's a strike, you know. And so what we're dealing with is individual choices, um, perhaps dealing with illicit activities, perhaps dealing with in the other individuals who are involved with criminal enterprises or criminal endeavors. And then you have the the system itself where, you know, uh, so-called African-American can be just walking down the street, you understand, and uh, be involved with something uh, that could be construed as criminal, even though it was not. So we're in a quagmire as a people because there are other uh, ethnicities within this country, and we'll focus on the U.S. at this point, who do not have to deal with that type of schism. Okay. Now, one thing I'd like to address about the system, however, and the individual choice as it pertains to the system is that there was once a time on this earth where our people as a whole were in charge of the system. We ruled the system and there were still people, our people, (laughs) probably some of our ancestors who were knuckleheads, who in that system that our people ruled, uh, were deemed as unfit, okay, uh, were deemed as uh, miscreants, uh, you know, uh, criminals. And so the difference between our system of the past and the system which we are not in control of today is just that. We are not in control of the system and therefore we are not in control of the consequence. We are not in control of the punishment any longer, the harshness of the punishment. We are not in control of the judgment and how the punishment is executed. And that is the difference. And we are feeling that because, believe it or not, we have a longer period on this earth of being free people. It is more in our blood to be free individuals and be free people as a group, as a whole, than it is to be enslaved. And many of us within this new day are beginning to express the freedom that our, our DNA is calling out for it. And it, or we are beginning to express this deep, deep, deep uh, need to, to, to enterprise and to be entrepreneurs again and to connect and network on a global level. And we are feeling the pressure of being suppressed. 
um, and being oppressed from being able to do that, from being able to bridge the gaps economically uh, on a grand scale. And so once again, when a people uh, feels this over multiple generations and it begins to ingrain itself within its genome, uh, there are certain characteristics which are unhealthy, which begin to exhibit within the people. And when the system that is at cause for these symptoms uh, also has a mechanism in place to catch, if I may, uh, these individuals who fall into that system's grasp, uh, the system can then begin to act harshly and to penalize these individuals in a way which is unfit, especially according to ancestral practices, because the people who are in charge of the system are uh, unfortunately not ancestrally tied uh, to the people as a whole who are being oppressed. Wow. You know, let's get on into the next song. Let's take a quick break. This wave we riding is something heavier. It's more like a tsunami tonight, y'all. Let's lighten up a little bit. Let's get on into Away From Me. Ife Anye, the superstar. A superstar he is indeed. That was Away From Me by Ife Anye, the superstar. You know, while we were on break, something dawned upon me. Whether the system was designed to pit us against one another or not, um, we are at a very interesting standpoint in time. Uh, if you have children, for instance, let's say you're a parent, and your children were born between the years of 2008 and 2016, they literally did not know a United States of America without a black president until Donald Trump took office. Let's, let's let that sink in for a minute. Why is that relevant? Because these are children who moved through a public school system, more than likely, whether they were, you know, private school system, public school system. They moved through an education system, which illustrated a country at the time which was ran and headlined and, 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 and uh, you know, faced by a black man, a so-called black man. Now, of course, he uh, was biracial, but nonetheless, he was marketed to the world as the country's first black president. And that was something that was always mentioned, black president, black. And what I found interesting about that um, as I gave it some more thought, was why was Barack Obama mentioned as black when his ancestry was quite different than the typical African-American in that Barack Obama knew exactly who his paternal ancestry was, as well as his maternal ancestry. You know, he knew who his who his father's line was and where that lineage pointed back to in Africa. He was able to visit his tribes, men and tribes, women. He knew his people. His people knew him. Uh, he has brothers and sisters still on the continent. And so he was very well connected to the continent, a total, total difference than the people whom he allegedly represented in this country. And I think that is one of the key reasons why, um, while he was in office, we did not see the type of result that we expected from him. I know that many people like to say, well, he had Congress against him, and I won't get too political on this. But the idea is a system. This is what we're focusing on. And the children who are alive today, born in between the years of 2008 to 2016, 
would be uh, somewhat against the idea that they are in a racist society. Okay, because their example uh, that they hear of racism is this idea of black versus white and the president of the United States, the most powerful position, quote unquote, in the world was ran by a black man during their early lives. Okay, and that's why it's relevant to bring up. Now they see Donald Trump in office and as they as they have begun to get older, I am sure that they have also had lessons where they have seen the many uh, Anglo faces that have dominated uh, the presidency. So here we are in this system. The system is similar to an operating system in a computer, whereas there's base code. Uh, we can call that base code the Constitution. And that Constitution has law written within to it that's not going to change. It was written by people who unfortunately were biased, they were prejudiced, and they solidified that constitution uh, to ensure that the people who they represented would always have uh, the majority of the power uh, within this system. Now, the people who were targeted as less than, um, in this case, less than human, three-fifths human, uh, they were targeted for servitude, for enslavement. And once the uh, 13th Amendment was written, which would basically dictate that, you know, if one was to commit law, uh, I mean, commit a crime, even if they were considered free, they would then be enslaved within the criminal system. You know, that's something to consider because the group, the ethnic group that is targeted the highest within this country are the very ones who are considered to be black today. Okay. So, how do we change this operating system? Um, if you notice, uh, when it comes to the code writers of this operating system, uh, we could consider them to be the senators, the politicians, those who are uh, hired to write laws that represent us as a people. Well, just like a computer, when you have base code, there's only so much you can do within that base code or within the code when you add on to it. And just like that, we are seeing that in this country where when new laws are written and they're added to the Constitution, they must fit within the original framework or they do not get added. And that is why the so-called black man, woman and child of this country will unfortunately not see the change that we seek until the code is rewritten in an unbiased manner to reflect all of the diversified groups within this country. Let's get on to the next song. And I think we're going to rock this. You know, we're going to we're going to catch this wave and let's listen to a couple. How about that, y'all? Let's switch it up a little bit. Let's listen to a couple. Here we go. All right. Yeah, I told y'all I had a couple songs for y'all. That was Babolo by Faith Gatewood and Ride by Don J Seduction. Um, we're going to wrap this show up pretty soon, but before we do, uh, let's talk about the news and media outlets and what their interest is in, in propagating the imagery of black-on-black crime. Um, oftentimes when I have this discussion with my circle, with my peers, um, we talk about the media, you know, whether it be the news, um, whether it be uh, the internet. Okay, different forms of blog spaces, you know, those types of things, uh, even whether it be movies and film, uh, television. 
We talk about these things and the idea that imagery is very powerful, very strong. I think that in 2019, a lot of us are catching on to the game, uh, the subconscious effect that these images have on us. Uh, we're starting to pay a lot more attention to what we allow our children to watch and incorporate into their daily routine. But one thing that's kind of hard to get away from is the media, the news, and the types of stories that are chosen to be represented and how they're represented. And um, I think when it comes to so-called black people, uh, what we are seeing is our individual actions, uh, our choices, uh, the idea that we commit crime against one another, which is a reality without a system, with or without a, a Eurocentric system in place. We have always committed crime against one another, and that must be said uh, since the most ancient of times. But again, during those periods where we ruled in the ancient of times, when we committed crime against one another, we were also the rulers and the judges in place that punished ourselves, you know, in a sense. And so that is the slight difference that makes the, the total difference, a total change in the narrative of today. Now, when we look at the media and its decision to choose certain stories over others or to keep the uh, society at bay, if I may, from recognizing that what's being represented on TV is lopsided within the news and within film, when it comes to who's being portrayed as the criminal. Uh, we have some instances right now where two individuals, uh, one European, one so-called African-American, and R. Kelly and Jeffrey Epstein, where we seem to have two individuals who have committed these very despicable acts over over long amount of time and have dealt with many uh, high-level individuals within their circles and peer groups who are not, um, uh, well, who were aware of their actions, let's just say that. And yet, the difference in treatment of both of those individuals is, is almost insurmountable. Yes, they're both arrested, and yes, Jeffrey Epstein has been uh, allegedly found to commit suicide. And uh, perhaps we'll talk about that at a later time. But nonetheless, the people who these individuals are tied to make all the difference. And I think because R. Kelly's uh, circle, uh, not knowing who he knows on that so-called elite level, you know, but the reach that his actions had as opposed to that those of Jeffrey Epstein were uh, a little less magnified, therefore... He could be used as a distraction in the media and he could be continually brought up uh, because if there was anyone who he could quote unquote tell on, um, they were probably, you know, could be lower ranking individuals within that elite group of, of people, so-called elite group. And I say all these things with the expectation that you all are more seasoned um, in your studies and more seasoned in how you've approached uh, you know, this topic. Once again, the disclaimer at the beginning was I need you all to think laterally, put on your thinking caps, read in between the lines. So it's not going to be an easy topic to divulge, but we can get through this. And so the media is a mechanism that we do not own, unfortunately. And it, it paints us in a manner um, which would keep the heat off of those who are doing the painting. 
Um, it's quite simple. You know, if we were in control of the media, um, I don't think that we would propagate the images of ourselves, which which would high, highlight us in a less than favorable light. We would highlight those of us who have achieved outstanding goals, those of us who have set out uh, an aspirational quests and who have manifest great results. And we would continually do that over over a long period of time to the point where our track record would indicate that we are the types of people who one would want to do business with or we are the types of people who one would want to be diplomatic with, you know? And so we we, we got to get back to that. And uh, with that being said, let's enjoy some more music. We're almost, we're almost out of here tonight, but, uh, you know, we don't like to rush this thing. This wave has been quite interesting. I'd like to marinate on some things with y'all. So while we do that, Let's get on into these next uh, pieces of music and we're going to enjoy the rest of the evening. You're a musician. You create music for the world to hear it. In order for the world to hear it, they need to be able to access it. In order for them to access it, your music needs to be on every single platform available on this planet. Visit oringi.org today to see your dream become a reality. Brace for impact. Welcome back, everybody. That was I'd Rather Be Cold by Faith Gatewood, the queen of electro soul, and Desire by Albert King, my good brother. Y'all, as we wrap this segment up, um, we talked about the cause of the problem. We identified the problem. You know, um, we talked about this idea of black on black crime. We really dug deep and deeply, excuse me. And what we want to do is, um, you know, I want to keep the line open for you all to uh, to send me your input. I really, really would like to hear from you all what you what you think we can do to to begin to. Find a solution that's actually equitable for us as as an entire group. Okay. Um, the solution that I propose is one where uh, I like to call it the spook who sat by the door solution. Okay. Uh, we have to get to a point where we don't forget who we are. Where when we look into the mirror, we recognize our greatness, we recognize our self-value and our worth, and we recognize who we represent. We recognize all of those sacrifices that were made before us and the shoulders upon those whom we stand in this present day. And we begin to look at the system in place from a standpoint of power and not from a standpoint of weakness or oppression. Yes, the Constitution was written a certain way, to definitely not benefit us. Yes, there are a multitude of laws throughout the land today that restrict us in our actions. Yes, there are a lack of opportunities all over the place where we feel forced and pressured to do things outside of the norm uh, that society might say on a legal standpoint. Uh, which cause us to take penitentiary chances and cause us to be removed from our families because the very same system uh, that we feel is not providing us opportunity has given us opportunity to mess up, 
to become a criminal and to uh, then be placed within an opportune situation called the penitentiary. And that opportune situation does not benefit us, however, but it is an opportunity. And so I know it's a cold game, right? So listen up. This is what I propose. And it's a solution that could be uh, pondered upon some more. But it's the idea that we begin to look at the system from a place of power, that we begin to take those good qualities that the system has illustrated to us and we begin to magnify those and exploit those uh, things within the system. And we begin to take over industry. We begin to look at our talents. We begin to look at our passions and align those passions up with our talents. We begin to... uh, Get ourselves around people or or network with those individuals who are like-minded as us. And we begin to build. We begin to be more transparent in our actions. And I think before we can do any of those things, however, we must begin to self-heal. We must begin to recognize that we do need help. That we are in a very uh, interesting situation globally because the people who are in positions with the titles, with the the doctorates, you know, um, uh, um, the people who run the the self-help centers and the hospitals and uh, the psychiatric wards and all of these places, they are not us, you know, and so uh, not not the majority at least. And so we're hard-pressed, you know, uh, to even reach out for help. So what we must do is is begin to identify the best of us in these fields, and we must begin to sacrifice uh, that 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 price tag that we might have on our service. For instance, um, if I am one of the best doctors, the the best so-called African American doctor uh, in the land, um, and I know that my services could benefit many of my people, uh, maybe I should begin to price my services at a at a rate where many can benefit with that jeopardize the level of service and the quality of my service. Maybe there's a middle ground that we can meet, you know, and and we could consider that over every industry that we find ourselves in. Um, And so that's one solution. Once we begin to take over the economy within our own right, not the entire economy, but begin to manage our, our resources more wisely, the ones that we do have access to consistently, then we can begin to build educational systems which reflect our culture, which reflect our traditional ideologies. Then we can begin to really propagate that idea of self-worth, begin to remove those of us off the street who want to be off of the street, begin to facilitate opportunity that is worth the while of the individual. You know, no minimum wage. I'm talking about the sorts of pay that uh, an individual can take a vacation on, can purchase a home with, you know, can get that new ride that they really been been admiring. You know, those types of uh, opportunities, you know, and we should be able to provide ourselves those opportunities. So uh, that is just the beginning. I know, y'all, this is not a conclusive discussion by far. I thank you for joining me tonight. For another segment of the Vibe Way Podcast with Scipio. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you enjoyed that wave. Until next time, y'all. Peace and blessings. Thank you for joining me for this segment of the Vibe Way Podcast show with Scipio. I truly hope you enjoyed yourself. 
I want you all to know that you can look forward to more great content. I'm going to be having some very special guests featured in the future, and I'd like you to tune in for those episodes as well. I look forward to hearing from you, and as always, get your surfboard, because we finna catch this wave. create music for the world to hear it. In order for the world to hear it, they need to be able to access it. In order for them to access it, your music needs to be on every single platform available on this planet. Visit oringi.org today to see your dream become a reality. Brace for impact.